Welcome back to the final episode of the GAI podcast of 2019. Today's episode is dedicated to looking at the past 12 months to essentially take you along for a journey of what we have done here at the GAI House on Summit, as well as outside of our walls with our cultural events, as well as our educational language classes that we've done in various communities. Enjoy today's episode and we will see you in 2020. Until then, have a wonderful holiday season. This is the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. Welcome. Where Germanic-speaking European countries, Germany, Deutschland, Switzerland. Blend with the Midwestern United States. Hello. We are here and there, and we invite you to come along on the journey. Let's just face it, though, if we really summarize 2019, we need about three, four hours worth of podcast. <laughs> so we just shortcut this and we pick the highlights. And of course, there are two individuals, particularly at the GEI house, who can speak very educatedly to how successful we've been, what we've learned and how we're going to continue. Claudia, welcome. Guten Tag. And Gina, welcome back. Guten Tag. It's been a while. Good to see you again. Thank you. <laughs> Let's just uh, take it from the, from the beginning, I suppose, uh, January 2019, uh, how has everything shaped up? Did we meet our goals, exceed our goals? Was What were the projections? Did everything fall in place the way you actually envisioned it? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say everything fell in place the way we envisioned it, but uh, as executive director, I look at things through a financial lens and I can say quite positively that we did meet all of our financial goals and finish the year in the black. So that's something that um, is exciting for a nonprofit. Um, but... Looking at our programming goals, starting in January, we were just rolling out this concept of Das Moderne Deutschland being the theme for the spring of 2019. And with that, we'd set goals for um, smaller programs throughout the spring, um, whether it be workshops with kids or um, we had some talks up in the ballrooms and book readings related to um, green initiatives, environmental movements, but kind of culminating then at Deutsche Tage with this theme of Das Moderne Deutschland and bringing... Um, vendors and organizations in who are connected to modern Germany, um, particularly in um, environmental movements. So it was exciting for us to have, for example, a booth from U.S. Solar and talk about how Germany and the United States can partner on solar energy. Um, we also had an info about um, wind energy. We even had a goat at Deutsche Tag, and people were wondering, <laughs> what does that have to do with green initiatives or Germany? And I can tell you it's because goats are used both in the United States and in Germany as an environmentally friendly way to um, remove um, invasive species of plants. And so they can eat away the things that you don't rather want rather than pouring a bunch of pesticides um, in, on, into the ground. So we are really pleased with how well the whole Das Moderne Deutschland campaign um, progressed. I'm really excited that we got some fund, some donors that stepped up and really gave some extra funding to make sure that we could make that happen. And just the various partners that we worked with for the whole campaign, um, to me, was a, was a really highlight of the first half of 2019. If you want to unpack Wunderbar together mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit more for those uh, few listeners, two or three, that have not yet quite heard yeah. what it is and what it stands for and what it does. Sure. 
So Wunderbar Together was a was a one long one year long initiative that was launched by the German embassy, and what it was was to promote the German American partnership. So it began in October of 2018, and then it wrapped up in October of 2019. And so it was a national movement. So org- German organizations, German schools, clubs, Vereine all across the country were invited to participate, whether by producing a special cultural program, or showing a film, or um, inviting guests from Germany, something that that highlighted how wunderbar together, which was the theme of of the campaign, um, it is when our two countries cooperate. And GAI, I think we tallied up how many programs did we by in the by the end five different programs that we did in conjunction with the wunderbar together campaign. Yeah, I think it was about five or six even. And we currently even have as a wrap-up uh, one of the last things going around with Wunderbar Together. We have an exhibit here in the house right now called Menschen begegnen sich, which uh, is an exhibit from the AATG, which is the American Association of Teachers of German, that has a traveling exhibit about you know immigration of Germans into the U.S. and uh, some of the challenges that... Uh, that they met or opportunities. So it's, as Gina said, it was a year-long thing. We had a big concert in in November. Our apprenticeship project has been supported through Wunderbar together. Some of the things at Deutsche Tag and Oktoberfest last year in fall of 2018, we kicked it off with the exhibit uh, Geniale Dilettanten. So there's been, yeah, it's truly been a 12, 15-month initiative that uh, was... Uh, put together as this U.S.-Germany-spanning uh, long project. So quite the administrative efforts behind the scenes, actually, to pull all this off. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> the Gewandhaus Orchestra concert, um, uh, which was the, the last big concert that we did in November, we, you know, we were approached initially about possibly helping find space for a concert, and then it, it just snowballed into this... Um, this massive undertaking. We set this goal of having 400, at least 400 people attend the concert, and we we easily meet that met that goal. And the new consul general from Chicago, Wolfgang Müsinger, came up to to greet the audience and to talk about the German American partnership. So we kind of just had to to roll with it and be there for at the beck and call. If the embassy needed us for something, how could we serve? And um, we we felt like the GAI really got some wonderful, just not national, but now some international recognition as being this this cultural center that works in conjunction with the Auswärtiges Amt. Which also ties into that we have, I would just call it, upgraded our position, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a major accomplishment in 2019 is we received notice that we are now an official Goethe-Institut Kulturgesellschaft. Um, we're one of only three in North America. And what this does is, is that we've been sort of deputized to act as a Goethe Institute. So that, that language and cultural arm of the German government. So this opens up new opportunities for the GAI. We are now in the circuit for traveling exhibits. There might be an exhibit that's being sent over from Germany and they want to make a circuit through the United States and where it can stop off. And now we can be, um, we can be in the circuit for that. And, a small bit of funding comes as well, which is which always helps, and just access to new resources and opportunities that we didn't have before. We don't have to try to, you know, make the case for who the GAI is and what we do by just saying we're a Goethe Institut Kulturgesellschaft. It's it's 
you know, it's like we're part of, we are a government entity now. And for those who are puzzled, uh, just for a brief second, uh, Kulturgesellschaft stands for as much as cultural association. Yep. And uh, to Gina's point, right, so we've always been very closely affiliated and associated with the Goethe Institute as part of uh, the language programming and the Goethe exams and, and some of those things. And this Kulturgesellschaft expands, uh, expands our, our uh, association and our collaboration with the Goethe Institute to exhibits. And as Gina mentioned, uh, there's also going to be some cultural programming that uh, is doing a North and Central America tour that we're going to have here in the spring and summer as part of the Kulturgesellschaft. So, yeah, it, it gives us an opportunity to bring artists, to bring um, shows, to bring a bunch of things from, from Germany as part of a, a larger group. But we're not just stopping there. We're also, since we are talking about culture and cultural immersion, I would think that our language programs neatly tie into that as well, since language determines culture and there is some linguistic relativity in this. Uh, and of course, the language that we teach here, as in German, does its part. So how are we coming along on this? Claudia, I think you are the yes. subject matter expert. So, yes, our language programs over the past few years have, you know, really grown in the double digits year over year over year. And uh, we're... Uh, offering language programs from anything to pe people who've never spoken a word of German and uh, want to learn to people who are native or near native speakers for kids as young as four to there's no limit right from we always say four to 94 or three to 93 and um, we are now more and more also expanding out into the community with uh, with community ed programs. We have uh, four different community ed programs that we're partnering with here in St. Paul, Wyzetta, Hopkins, and uh, Apple Valley. And um, we, we continue to ask our students and ask programs for, for more ideas so we can continue to, to bring German language and culture. Because as you said, you know, I always say in the beginning of classes, language and culture are intertwined. There is no culture without language and language is a way to express culture, right? So those two are, are absolutely uh, connected and uh, we continue to find ways to expand programs, whether it's through movies or through, uh, Uh, cultural programs or just flat-out language classes. The way we are doing classes here at the GEI, I think, uh, is pretty well known, but it's also what you mentioned, our community outreach with mm -hmm. uh, the community ed centers. Mm -hmm. What does the future look like there? Actually, if you're interested, there's, again, these four different programs, and they are all offering classes here, starting, some of them are starting in January and then in the spring, and they're actually posted on our website. And... Uh, Now we're offering more things like baking, right? Because we just had a German cookie baking for the for the holidays. We're doing more baking in the spring, and um, and uh, so that it you know it's kind of a crossover between language and culture. And um, and who can refuse a good cookie? <laughs> who can refuse a good cookie, right? And we also want to make sure that this is something that's accessible to everybody. So some of these you know, community ed classes are very reasonably priced. We also have scholarships. 
And, you know, we do encourage lifelong and lifetime learning for people. So if you are interested in taking a class, but you're not quite sure how how to do this financially, please reach out to us because we do have uh, scholarship funds available. And that's something where, you know, Gina can maybe... Yeah, we actually did just talk about it the other day and had a short video recording with mom and two Mm -hmm. kids who were the recipients of one of our scholarships. Mm -hmm. Uh, What does the future look like here? I would love to just continue to offer more and more scholarships. Like Claudia said, we don't want financial barriers to prevent anybody from being able to, to learn a second or a third language. We don't want our classes to be not affordable for anybody. And you know, we were fortunate to have a very nice um, donation come in in 2019 from a family um, to honor their father who had taken classes here and to honor that concept of being a lifetime learner. And we really put our heads together about how best could we pay tribute to, to what he brought to the community and what he would want to see. And he was just such a loved learning German here. Um, and he was the one when Claudia mentions up to age 94, he was 94 and still taking classes here. And so we launched then what is the Ted Taylor Lifetime Learner Scholarship. And anybody can apply for this, whether it's a family with a three-year-old that they want to enroll in our Kinderstube preschool, but maybe just can't afford um, all the tuition, up to senior citizens who want to take a daytime class with us and just be part of a community and learn and, and start to learn a new language. So anybody can apply. And it's through this increased support that we're seeing from our members and our friends and people who value the work that we're doing that we're able to offer these scholarships and to me that's that's exciting and like Claudia said the, the growth of our community ed programs that's 100% mission I, I, in the end we're you know it costs the GAI actually to to be able to offer those but we look at it as just this is our mission this is bringing language learning to people and and quite frankly some people they could um afford to come to the GAI and take classes, it's too far out or they, where they live, it's just not possible. So the fact that now that we're just increasing the scope and the range of where people can go and connect with our classes is really exciting. That's just our mission growing. And we're really proud of that. Which behind me, by the way, uh, for those, of course, who can't see it, is a whiteboard that is just full with topics of today. And I'm jumping around trying to connect the dots. And uh, one of those line items that I have on the whiteboard here is number four, education, lifetime, accessibility, apprenticeship, which brings together our mission right now in our outreach with continuing to go further on out from our headquarters, if you will. Right. And you say number four, and, and why that is, <laughs> what the, what's the significance of the number four is that the United Nations launched what they call the SDG 17. They are 17 um, sustainable development goals. And basically, it's a blueprint for peace and prosperity for the planet. And so it's this well-mapped goals of how we can make the world a better place and really the challenge of all nonprofits should be where do i fit in this global scale of how what's my what is our contribution as a nonprofit to making the world a better place if that even might sound a little bit um, cheesy, but it's true. And so at the GAI, we've identified three of these goals where we feel like this is where our mission connects to global goals. This is how we can make an impact. And goal number four 
is related to quality education. And with that is the as a spectrum of making sure that it's accessible, that um, that is opportunity for lifetime learnings, that there's education that can put people on pathways for careers that, that can help close the socioeconomic gap. And yeah, we, through our, our language education, as well as our work on the apprenticeship program, we're, we're hitting all of those targets. So um, by being a, a language institute, this connects us to this this bigger picture of the United Nations, so which is goal number four, which is quality education. Since we're at the numbering scheme, uh, number four, then there's number seven and number 16. Let's just continue right on with number seven. It's affordable and clean energy, including renewable energy and LEDs. And if you listened to our podcast in the past, particularly when we introduced certain events, you may remember that we did have U.S. solar here. Then we had the goats that we mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. And we also had a young gentleman here who had something to do with bees. Yeah, I think, was, wasn't it bee? I forget. Be kind, I think. Be kind, be exactly. Kind, yes. And it was something that was in a combination with having beehives in the solar fields, where you know if you have a whole, if you have fields with these big solar panels, you can have in parallel uh, these beehives that are in the same space as the solar uh, panels are, the solar gardens are. So it's kind of a win-win-win, right? You 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 produce renewable and clean energy and you're also, you know, giving a habitat for bees, which, you know, we've all heard over the last however many years have been uh, in, in decline, like this whole pollinator thing. And I think people need to start being more aware of that. We're actually also doing a program here that kind of touches on this with clean energy, affordable and clean energy. We're going to run a program here in the spring that's called Climate Kids. And, you know, climate and energy obviously go hand in hand as well. And that's, we're partnering with an organization called the Ecologic Institute that is based in Berlin and Washington, D.C. that put together a program for um, like middle school, high school kids that's called Climate Kids and more to come on that. So as as Gina said, you know, we're, we're real, really as the GEI starting to uh, figure out with this greater scope and this greater theme of these sustainable development goals, these 17s, where do we fit as the GEI in this global picture? So we're looking beyond just the German community or just St. Paul or, or Minnesota to see, you know, how, how can we do our part to uh, have this broader mission and you know, mm -hmm. Gina, what's the new, that what's the newer mission statement that we're rolling out our new mission statement is connecting people to a broader world through German language and culture. That has a lot in it. Yes. And it's intentional, right? I mean, we really, really want to lead by example, I guess, in a way where we say, you know, we, we have to be better global citizens. We have to have a global view in anything and everything that we do because, and, and I think, you know, listening to some of these things that, have been in the media lately with, with the young people really demanding more global attention to climate, more global attention to, to, to issues. I think we, we have a responsibility, everybody does, to, uh, to have a broader view. And I would just say on a very practical stand, uh, standpoint, the way the GAI is plugging into goal number seven is where we might not be creating our own solar energy or um, 
uh, wind power, but really to educate about what are some of the initiatives coming out of Germany. I mean, Germany is a world is a world leader when it comes to environmental um, um, sustainability and going green. And where can we learn? And sure to our listeners out there, those who've been to Germany, it's it's always amazing when you go and you see, oh, wow, like the different things that are happening in Germany. I, I think just ha- my dilemma I have, if I just want to sometimes, quote, throw something away and I'm standing in front of five or six containers and figuring out which one it goes in. <laughs> and while I might be perplexed and a little annoyed, there's this part of me that think, well, gosh, why can't we do that in the United States, why can't we have, you know, seven different options so that people are, are recycling or reusing material in a way that makes sense? So we want to have those conversations. So not just always be saying, well, gosh, how can they do that in Germany? And why don't we do it here? Well, part of it is to educate, well, this is how it's done in Germany and challenge how, what, what, how could we be doing things differently here? Which is interesting. And on the account that I might be dating myself a little bit here, but uh, for 40 some years, I can't even say that out loud, 40 some <laughs> years ago, uh, we did uh, essentially trash separation with different colored glass, whether it was uh, transparent glass or green or brown, and then paper was separated mm-hmm. from plastics and mm-hmm. all kinds of, of different things mm-hmm. that, of course, as a uh, young kid, I didn't necessarily pay a lot of attention to. I was more annoyed with having to separate all this because, of course, uh, dad asked me to carry out the trash. But it's something that, we do- that we've done 40 years, 40 years plus ago. Exactly. Why is it taking us so long to catch up? It's a very good question. I suppose it's really just changing the consumer's feedback right. uh, feedback loop and mindset to understand what this is really about and then actually really tap into it. And I think in St. Paul, we're actually doing a reasonable job already by at least separating paper from the rest. At the GI, we're also trying to practice what we preach. Um, we have changed all of our light bulbs in the house to LED light bulbs. We have gone to a composting system where we are trying to compost as much of our food waste as we can, including in the preschool. So these kids as young as three year old, three years old are learning to food that they didn't eat goes in the composting in the green container, and then it goes um, and will be picked up later. So we're trying to make our festivals as green as possible, getting away from you know single use um, styrofoam or plastic. So we're challenging ourselves as well to to be part of the green movement and not just talk about it which is actually interesting that you mention it uh, i there is a research study out there that of course i cannot cite specifically right now but it goes along the lines of for for eons we've tried to change um, how households function through the perspective of the parents and then pretty quickly we figured actually out that we need to change it through the perspective of the kids. Mm-hmm. So by starting from the ground on up in kindergarten or Kinderstube with separation of waste, with mm-hmm. uh, discarding food the right way, I think this is truly where we can affect that change. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was number seven on our whiteboard and we have number 16 and that is a big one. It's, <laughs> it reads as peace slash justice and strong institutions. That is a lot. What, what does it mean? For the GAI, that's us asking continually, how can we reach out to other organizations, other institutions, other communities, and work towards peace? And Yeah, this is truly the thing about world peace, right? <laughs> yeah, right. This is the big world peace. Yeah. Yeah. How do we get there? Yeah. Um, and it's so broad. And yeah, when I think of... Some of our rec- our most recent accomplishments that I'm most proud of, you know, Fred Amram was um, one of your guests on the podcast. We love Fred here. He's a professor emeritus from the University of Minnesota. Uh, he's a native German, and he's also a Holocaust survivor. 
And he decided in 2018 to, um, to apply to gain his German citizenship back, which was taken from him by the Nazis. And it is by connecting with the GAI, by getting to, to know us here, he felt reconnected, wanted to wanted to, to, to explore the idea at, at the beginning of what would this mean if I um, renewed my citizenship. And we were so honored when he made that decision because he decided to have the ceremony here at the GAI. I think that is so symbolic. And, you know, it's the quote, if you want peace, work for justice. And I, I, I love that quote and I try to internalize it because you cannot work towards peace if you're not act if you're not out there fighting for justice. And so the fact that we were able to help Fred get his German citizenship back, such an act of justice and such an act of peace. And we do work well with the Jewish community. We challenge ourselves every year come May, what are we going to do to 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 stop and honor um, Holocaust Remembrance Day and all the activities that happen in the month that way. Um, and sometimes it can be painful or it can be uncomfortable, but we have to look at the bigger picture and ask questions related to forgiveness, to to justice, to restitution. That's all part of it. That's the only way we're going to move forward. And coincidentally, the episode with Fred was December 14th, 2018, so just about a year ago. And if you want to get a sense of, of justice, peace, and I think particularly the underlying current here is the ability for forgiveness, which I think is what what it's, what needs to be there to even have justice and peace in the first place. I certainly encourage you to listen to the episode with Fred, um, things that, that he has experienced that none of us can even fathom, and then sit across from me and speak about forgiveness and also non-forgiveness, but what it means to actually process this in the long run. Uh, it's quite, quite a moving episode. So go back in uh, our timeline and uh, hit play on this one. Once you're done with this one, not right now, of course. <laughs> yep. So so as part of that, you will see the GI partnering with different organizations uh, and uh, different different groups to to kind of reach out and and again, as as Gina says, you know, live what we preach. And it's not that preach is maybe not the right word, but you know, kind of lead by example where we say, you know, we're, we're going to put programs or um, partner with organizations. And, you know, through that, the strong institutions, I like that, right? Because institutions sometimes has kind of a bad connotation or a bad word. And, but institutions, if they're done well, and if they're done right, can truly, truly hold up and support its society in a, in a good way. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we put, you know, partnerships and institutions together for the betterment of society and bringing peace and justice instead of instead of being, you know, stiff and unyielding. We practice what we teach. Uh, there you go. We practice what we teach. Well said. Yes, well said. <laughs> I'm going to yes. trademark that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. The other things that we have on the whiteboard, apprenticeship and das moderne Deutschland. So we've talked a lot about apprenticeship, our... I would say invitation to adopt some of the German philosophies, uh, particularly as we're looking at the college crisis. And I am, uh, and I'm fully aware that I'm poking the bear here in a second. Um, but of course, as a former teacher, somebody who's very well in tune with the educational system, what's uh, what was 2019 like in regards to the dual education system? What have we seen? Uh, progress, uh, challenges. How did it go? 
Well, we we launched our program in 2017, where our project, excuse me, with the goal to inform, educate, and promote the the German apprenticeship model. And Claudia and I are being invited to speak throughout the Twin Cities, whether it's at a Rotary Club, whether it's at a school board, at a conference, anybody out there listening, if you'd like for us to come and, and, and do a presentation about the apprenticeship model, we'd welcome uh, the opportunity to do so. So we've been advocating for that model. And at one point, we decided we were ready for phase two, rather than just talk about it, and why it's a good thing. We challenged ourselves, about how do we now actually help Minnesota launch more apprenticeships here in the state of Minnesota. And and we've learned that there is a lot going on out there already. There are all kinds of um, pseudo apprenticeships and, and it seems like every county and city and, and, and workforce group is doing their own thing and nothing is united. And we feel like we can fill a role in helping sort of connect the dots, helping people realize that, oh, if you want to start this, you know, there's actually money from the state through the pipeline um, project that can help um, fund your, so, so we're, we're playing that role. Um, but we are really excited now about this entering of this phase two, and we'll have some measurable metrics with that. We can actually look at, were we able to get one, two, three companies to begin an apprenticeship program? So that's kind of the new phase that we're starting in 2020. Um, Claudia, can we share what our, our are we going to, can we unveil what our goal is? Yeah, I think the the goal in general is right. We we've kind of, as Gina said, have done a lot of presentations. Now when now it gets to doing, and everybody who lives and works here in the Twin Cities knows that the medical device industry is a very strong industry, and so that's going to be one of our special areas of focus. Where we, you know, they also have a large manufacturing base here because that's the other thing, right? A lot of apprenticeship. Um, really lends itself to advanced manufacturing and uh, and there's also another area of healthcare so we can maybe figure out a way to bring healthcare and advanced manufacturing together and the medical device industry is a very uh, good way to do that so that's going to be one of the specific areas of focus that we're going to be working on starting starting the new year and uh, and if I could just add to that so and what's unique about what we're doing is um the, we are advocating for the consortium model. So it's not just about one company saying, okay, we, we believe in this and we, we know that there's a good return on investment and it is the right thing to do when we want to launch an apprenticeship. But we are going to go to the medical device industry and try to pull together a consortium. So if we can have three to five companies who come together and who might normally be just look at each other's competitors, but say, you know what, in this regard, we're going to cooperate. We're going to grow the workers that we need and we're going to collaborate rather than just be competitive and sponsor an apprenticeship. I think that's what's exciting, and I think that's that's what we can bring to the table that's the influence of the German or the European model. And it is a definite mindset mind, uh, mindset shift for us here in the United States to think of companies working together to, to develop the workers that they need when they're normally competing for those workers. And so we're going to make the case for it that it works, and here's how it can be done. Well, not everything always has to be competition, but uh, also in regards to highly specialized workers in the technology medical device space from the common American perspective, perspective, I would say, you immediately go towards, well, I have to be an engineer, I have to have a four-year degree, I have to do some form of electronics engineering or biomedical device engineering, what have you. How does the apprenticeship model factor into this? Yeah, so so having worked in the medical device industry for, you know, 
better part of my adult life. Um, yes, absolutely. You need engineers. You need biomed engineers. You need electrical engineers. You need mechanical engineers. You need all of those. But then you and you need process engineers. But you also need people on the shop floor, on the manufacturing floor, that need to be skilled in machine maintenance, in manufacturing processes, in in just making sure things keep running. And they work together with the engineers. So there are different kinds of apprenticeships in, in advanced manufacturing, maybe in mechatronics, where you, you actually are CNC or some, some, some of those areas where you need somebody that has more skills and experience than a assembly person or a person who works, you know, putting these things together, but isn't an engineer. So it's it's to fill this in between where you do, and that's where this whole dual education comes from. These people are going to be trained on the floor, on the manufacturing floor, on the job, but they will also uh, go to college and take relevant classes uh, in manufacturing, in you know, manufacturing engineering, whatever that curriculum is. So that's where that whole concept of dual education comes in where you don't just need engineers and you don't just need need uh, the assemblers. You need people in between to basically keep it going. Which could very well also be the saving grace of community colleges, which yep. are certainly feeling the squeeze with individual students going to four-year institutions. Well, to And actually, in uh, community colleges have understood for a long time that there is a need for that, and they have quite a bit of what they call customized training. And they use that to upskill uh, people at different companies. And to Gina's point, though, those are often just one-offs, right, where a company might approach a community college to say, we have five people and we have a need for them to learn CAD, right, or something, mm -hmm. some drafting. And so then the community college will put a, a class together a customized training class for that employer, for those five employees. And some of those might, some classes might even happen on site at the employer, which is super convenient for the employer. And it's great because it does give uh, the employer and the people a, a way to learn new skills. However, those are all just one-offs, right? There, there, There isn't a bigger plan there isn't it's just this is what we need right now with these three people versus saying okay let's take a step back that's that's let's take a look at what as a manufacturing community do we need what what are the skills that we need this year next year five year and maybe even 10 years from now and put an infrastructure into place as gina said to train and develop that workforce not just one group today this month next week but you know build an infrastructure that is that grows and and maintains uh, relevance to what the industry needs which lends itself to a sustainability argument which is what you actually mentioned yes. earlier Gina yep. that the individual organization just doesn't have enough power or likely doesn't have enough power to continue this in the long run so a collaboration of individual organizations has the sustainability element built in to really carry this through exactly correct and then if you do partner with the uh, colleges and uh, the students in addition to having um, real life work experience also ends up with an associate's degree you now have a skill 
that let's say that person does need to move or does need to leave, you know, you now have a certificate that this person can use somewhere else. And it's an immediately marketable yep. degree just as well. And we teach them German while we're there. <laughs> we'll teach them German wherever they want. Yes. You've, yes. you've got to read those blueprints in yes. one way or yes. another. Sure. <laughs> okay. German model, but yeah, yeah, German language skills not required. <laughs> Continuing down the list, das moderne Deutschland is what's left. It was mostly a lot of it, as Gina already mentioned, or what we talked about, some of the initiatives around Deutsche Tage. And we're kind of tweaking that theme a little bit. We're going from Das Moderne Deutschland in 2019 to German Innovations in 2020. So it's uh, it's going to be the theme for, for 2020. And, you know, we, we kind of have a thing, you know, Germany is the Slante Dichto und Denko, like the, the, the poets and the thinkers. And... Um, so if you, if you think about it, we're going to kind of pose a little bit of a challenge to people, not just, you know, German innovation nowadays, but, you know, kind of looking back, you know, thinking of the printing press, thinking of the combustion engine, you know, I mean, Germany, a lot of people don't know that MP3, the MP3 format was invented in Germany. Um, the ship turbine, the uh, sewing machine, Austrian. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them, but yep. still. Yep. No, yeah, but no, <laughs> no things like uh, um, anti-lock brakes were, were first first came standard on German cars, right? So there is a lot of invention and innovation. And Germany actually, as a country, has just received some kind of recognition. I think even I forget by by whom, but uh, as you know, one of the countries with a tremendous amount of innovation and the number of I think they look at the number of patents filed based on the size of the country and the institutions and stuff like that. Germany also has a lot of of Forschungsinstitute, uh, um, um, uh, like research, Re research institutions. Regions, uh, here they're often tied to universities. In Germany, like Max Planck Institute yeah. or Fraunhofer Institute and those things, you know, they're kind of, they collaborate with universities, but they're kind of just... They're independent research in institutions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Germany is really strong in that. So, that's going to be the focus and the theme going into 2020 is a German or Germanic in in innovation to you know add you know obviously Switzerland and Austria. Yeah, I think the Swiss the Swiss invented the getting the apple off top of your head. Wilhelm <laughs> Tell. <laughs> yes, no, we don't want to knock the Swiss. I'm sure there there's nothing that comes to mind. I'm sure there's Swiss actually Switzerland has quite a bit of pharmaceutical industry, so I'm sure there's a lot of innovation and uh, and chocolate related things maybe that's, <laughs> that are part of that. Who knows? Chocolate and cheese related. <laughs> I already know I'm gonna get some text messages food. from our Swiss friends. <laughs> food science. No, I'm I'm sure no food science yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And finance, of course. Yes. Finance, yes. All right. Anything else that we need to summarize about 2019, which from my perspective was a spectacular year, but uh, I'll leave this uh, to you, Gina. I've already moved on to 2020. I'm just looking at the future. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, 2019 was a great year. And again, I would just like to, to a personal thank you, every people who are listening for um, being a part of our community for engaging with the GAI, whether you're taking a class or coming to events or just even listening to this podcast, um, you validate our mission and our work. So, vielen Dank. I agree. 
yeah, from my perspective as well, this this has been an incredible joyride from from the events, uh, the the wrap ups of the events, uh, launching the podcast, getting more and more in depth with our recordings. Um, it was an, an interesting year. That I think twenty twenty is going to be even more interesting going beyond that. But we're not just going to let you out like that. We certainly have. Some events going on, even though December slows down just a little bit going into the new year. And uh, I see the raised hand across the room, Claudia. Yeah, I think we just want to take this mm -hmm. opportunity to make sure people understand that the GEI will be closed all mm -hmm. week during Christmas week and then and a few days of New Year's and we open on the second. So we're officially closed uh starting well, the 21st we have the last day of samstagsschule but basically starting that monday the 23rd and then we reopen january 2nd yes we follow the european model of work-life balance yes <laughs> well like we said lead lead by example lead by example <laughs> we practice what we teach yes. yeah we practice yes. what we teach yes. so just just as a heads up so we are there there will be the offices will be closed no classes no anything basically from the afternoon of the 21st on until we reopen on January 2nd. But since we are coming back in January, yes. we have Kinder Carnival 2020, which is basically the uh, kids version of the adult carnival. It's free admission. It takes place on January 12th from 2 through 5 p.m. I'm assuming that costumes are heavily encouraged. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, this is in partnership, again, talking about organizations with the Spielmannzug Minnesota, which is uh, Spielmannzug, in case people don't know, is like the official carnival club in every city. And uh, so... We do have a Spielmannzug here in uh, in Minnesota, in St. Paul, and they are hosting the um, Kinder Carnival here at the GEI. If you were present at Deutsche Tage, then you've seen the Spielmannzug also being here with uh, their very distinct outfits. Deutsche Tage, Oktoberfest, mm -hmm. yes, they often come with uh, in full regalia, absolutely. So again, this is January 12th from 2 through 5 p.m. here at the GEI. It's a costume party, contest games, interactive dancing, um, I may not be here for that. <laughs> Especially since it's for kinder, for kids. <laughs> <laughs> Storytelling, um, a marionette theater, arts, crafts. And of course, this is a German Kinderkarnival. Therefore, food is also here. Yeah. And then uh, going forward, so already more or less uh, deep into 2020, February 8th, a carnival dance party, March 21st, Salvatore Fest, and then April 25th, Spargelfest. Spargel is asparagus, the green, wonderful things, unless we have white asparagus. Uh, we can't get white here, but we'll be as pale, pale green as we can find. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Very <laughs> fresh. Yeah. So, that was a very distinct, sad expression. In yeah, your face. You kind of jumped over that February 8th yeah. ca carnival. So that that's is, the adult one. That's the adult version. And in good German fashion, it's little naughty, little nice, right? More naughty than nice. And, you know, in anybody who's ever spent carnival or fashing in a German-speaking country will know that it's it's a party and uh, it's not and this, just... This year we'll be featuring um, a burlesque show, as we've done in the past, which is always a big hit. And we're excited to announce also we'll be having a drag competition for both men and women. So come in your best... Um, drag competition, drag outfit, and be part of the fun. And more to come on that in January. 
Yes. When we have a bit more information about the programming, and we will talk a little bit maybe about the carnival and fashion traditions. And yeah. local drag queen Victoria DeVille will be here. So yes. for those of you who know her, yep. she's fabulous. I yes. would just like to make note of the fact that none of this was on my sheet. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're helping. That's why you have editing powers. <laughs> That's why we're helping. But it's perfectly fine. I'll leave yes. all this uncut. I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm in a world of amazement and wonder simultaneously. I'm not exactly sure how to feel. Yeah. I mean, but talking about German culture and tradition, yeah. right? I mean, Carnival is huge in Germany and... Uh, as much as Germans can be buttoned up and uptight and carm, come carnival, uh, you, it's party time. If you had listened to the episode that Katrin and I recorded about uh, German idioms, uh, there was one in particular that applies to that. It's called Las de Sauraus, let the pigs yes. out. Yes. And yes. that yes. is essentially applicable yes. to that. We'll yeah. just, we just basically let our hair down and have fun. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more than that, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, that is February 8th, then March 21st, again, 25th of April, then June 13th and 14th, Deutsche Tage. So we are way deep into 2020. As always, of course, please do check our website at gai-mn.org for all those dates and for admissions, whether it's free or not. And Claudia has the latest updates also, of course, going forward with classes. Yes. So as always, you know, our, and as we spoke about, our classes continue in 2020. And if you are a beginner and you want to learn German, we have the start classes and uh, they start begin right after the holidays. So start one beginners uh, who don't know any German, they start the week after the um, new year, uh, January 7th. And then if you've already taken some German and now you're going into the uh, advanced beginner or into the intermediate classes, the wing and uh, winter and spring session my apologies we'll start in february and as always we also have saturday school classes they start january 11th so kind of staggered beginnings for classes week of january 6th so right as we come back after the holidays those are the start classes for beginners then that weekend uh, january 11th thumbstackschule starts and then in the first week of february the uh, classes for advanced beginners and intermediate start. And of course, we will continue to work with uh, select podcast guests to invite them in and uh, get more breadth to what we're doing. I do believe we are trying to get Fred Amran scheduled again to have mm-hmm. Fred part two to yes. uh, see what else we can unearth and talk about. Never have enough Fred. You yes. cannot have enough Fred. I agree with that. Yes. And that was pretty much it. Gina, anything else? I think we've covered it. That was that was a I think pretty comprehensive list we covered. So thank you. And as Gina said, you know, thank you to everybody. And we want to wish, wish everybody happy holidays, whichever holiday you celebrate. And uh, happy new year. Well, also from my end, uh, thank you very much for tuning in for all these episodes. We will continue our track in 2020. If you have any suggestions and or questions, please email them to us. And just hop on to the website to find out more. Claudia, thank you so much. And Gina, thank you as well. And this is Michael signing off. We'll see you, hear you, and talk with you next year. Until then, have a good time. <laughs>